You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chobie. Welcome back to another edition of Hawk Talk. This week, the preview looking at the Seahawks' next opponent, the Oakland Raiders. It's been a nice little bye week, trying to rest up for some of us. I know Bump was out there grinding Monday through Friday, doing his thing, doing his thing for the Pac-12 Network as well. But for the rest of us out here, get a nice little week off, but we're back at it. We're excited because the Seahawks are back at Lumen Field to take on their old AFC West division rival, the Las Vegas Raiders. What's on tap? Bump. Raiders, man, they're a hard team to, to, to figure out, man. They're three and seven, third place in the AFC West ahead of another team down there who they have beaten twice this year, the Denver Broncos. And the thing about them that jumps out to me, Bump, is they've been in every game. It's not like they just gotten their doors blown off. They've been within one score in the fourth quarter of every single game, yet they're three and seven, lost to the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Titans, Chiefs, Saints, Jags, Colts. It's been rough, man. They've blown three 17-point leads. Three different times they've been up 17, and they lost that thing, man. Brutal. You look at some of their losses, one-point loss to the Chiefs, right? Quality loss right there. You get, you lost, and then you lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I have no idea what's going on. So I think it's just the different type of losses that they have. But one thing is for sure, they know how to beat the Broncos. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> they got that much-needed victory on Sunday, beating them 22-16 to 16 in overtime. They swept them, so two of their three wins this year against those Broncos. They did beat the Houston, which is another not-great football team. But I alluded to earlier all the 17-point leads they've blown. They're up on the Colts to the Jeff Saturdays. They end up losing that game. And after that game, I just want to revisit it real quick. It was a very emotional Derek Carr postgame. You know, I'm sorry. Derek, um, you know, to finish that, sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. So that was him after they lost to the Colts. But as I mentioned, they got right against the Broncos. Bump, when you heard that press conference and you heard him emotional at the podium, what was your first thought? My first thought was it's deeper than um, guys preparing and right and what he's saying. I think it's that's the culmination of getting Devontae, having Josh Jacobs, Waller's been in and out, Renfro's gone new head coach like there's so much going on over there to where these guys were projected to win guarantee you more than three or four games that uh and then he as the quarterback you got to step in front of the mic answer these questions don't know what's going on at home I think that was it was deeper than what we saw there's a lot going on with that dude right now but like you said man let it all out nice and vulnerable bounce back beat the Broncos get right team you need it you need a win (laughs) 
Broncos got you. <laughs> and it was because I don't know whatever he 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 got his emotions in check and got inspired the team because they came out there and they beat the Broncos and Russell Wilson you know had a decent game stat wise didn't jump out anything crazy twenty four for thirty one two hundred forty seven yards no touchdowns sacked three times and the Broncos got off to a good start they were up ten nothing they had a nice little ninety two play ninety two yard drive things were looking good Raiders would respond Devontae Adams with a thirty one yard touchdown. Teams would go back and forth trading field goals, and that's where things started to get a little interesting. So the Broncos go up 16-13 with 3.30 left in the game. The Raiders will go three and out of their next possession, giving Russell Wilson the ball back, needing just two first downs to ice the game. Bump, tell me what happened. All right, it's 3-10. Raiders are out of timeouts, and Russell throws an incomplete pass where he probably should have taken the sack and gave himself up just to bleed the clock. So people are saying he doesn't know the situation, right? Uh, but that didn't happen. The Raiders drove down the field and on the league's best defense, seven plays, 71 yards, and tied the game at 16 with 16 seconds left. So Russ not be- bleeding the clock gave these guys an opportunity. The Raiders get these dudes in an overtime three plays later. You're going up top to Devontae Adams for a 35-yard touchdown. Adams had himself a day. He's been low-key having himself a season, too. We're just not really talking about it. He's got seven. He had seven receptions for 141 and two touchdowns. They also got the run game going. Josh Jacobs had 109 on 24 carries. And then their defensive player of the year when it comes to the Raiders, Max Crosby, six tackles, two sacks, three QB hits. We're going to talk about Devontae. He's been having a good season. It's just been overshadowed by all these losses. No question about it. He's kind of forgotten up there. He was in, you know, Aaron Rodgers' safety blanket in Green Bay, and you're seeing what's happening there without Devontae. They're struggling big time, and he is a baller, and he's definitely been balling out. But when we flip over to this head-to-head comparison, you know, the Seahawks' numbers slid a little bit defensively, given, you know, what happened against the Bucks in Germany, but they're still pretty good offensively. 11th overall in total offense, 13th in rush offense, 13th in pass offense, still at 5th overall in points per game at 25. So they're still putting up good numbers offensively, defensively. You know, they did a lot of damage early in the season, and they were really trending over that win streak. They were playing really good football. A couple numbers slid last week, so they're still 26th in total defense, 28th in rush defense, 21st in pass defense, and allowing 24 points a game, which is tied for 22nd. The rush defense definitely took a hit because they were definitely trending in the right direction. Unfortunately, they gave up 161 yards to the Bucks in Germany. Hopefully they can flip the script on that side. And then when I look at the Raiders, man, they got a lot of good players bump, but you know, these rankings kind of show why they're three and seven. Yeah. The personnel doesn't match what you, what you see when it comes to the rankings. you look at the personnel and you would expect them to be one of the best offensive teams in the league. They're ranked 16th overall. We know Josh Jacobs can run the rock, but they're averaging 106 per game. That's 23rd. And then pass offense. This is about where I expected him to be right? Averaging about 235 per game. That's eighth in the league. And then they're 16th, averaging 22.5 points per game. Defensively is where this team has been hurting. Now they're 26th rank, excuse me, 27th rank on defense is different than I feel like the Hawks 26th. I yeah. think uh, the Hawks are probably more around 15, 16. We look at their last few games, but uh, overall the Raiders are 27th overall, 20th when it comes to defending the run and 24th when it comes to defending the pass. And they are averaging or allowing 24 points per game. That's good for 24th. Not a lot of interceptions with this team either. Only three interceptions this defense has gotten. So uh, a defense that will give up some yards won't necessarily take the ball away from you. But again, you got guys like Max Crosby over there. You got to respect it. 
No question about it. Again, I think you're right when you said you look at their defensive ranking at 27 and ours 26. We're, I think there are two teams going in different directions. Mm-hmm. Seahawks have been able to create more turnovers. They've been able to get after the quarterback. The Raiders have not. So it will be interesting when we kind of dive more into this matchup. But like I said earlier, these are old division rivals from the AFC West. Know your history. Know your history. The Raiders lead the series 29 to 26, and it took everything in my body not to say Oakland there. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, it's always Oakland. No, the Las Vegas Raiders lead the series 29 26. Seahawks have, though, won three of the last four meetings. The last time they played each other was in London. The Seahawks beat down the Raiders 27 to 3, 2018 season. It was all Seahawks from the opening kickoff. They led 17 nothing at the half. We're up 27 0 in the fourth quarter before the Raiders got a garbage time field goal. Russell Wilson had a great day, going 17 to 23, 222 yards, three touchdowns. Doug Baldwin, Demo, Swag, David Moore, Jerron Brown, Tyler Lockett all got in the end zone. And honestly, the main story about that game was the Seahawks hadn't handled the travel. The Raiders didn't. The Raiders complained all week, and it showed up on Sunday. Frank Clark had two and a half sacks. Quentin Jefferson also had two point five TFLs. Hopefully, he can do a little bit of that on Sunday. I was hoping, Bump, they would channel some of this energy in Germany. Unfortunately, it was not their day, but we're past that. We've turned the page. What's the word in the West? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? Here's the word. If you look at the standings with the naked eye, you see six and four Niners and the six and four Seattle Seahawks. And you think, oh, we're tied for first. Nope, that's not how this thing goes. For the first time in about a month, the Hawks are not leading the NFC West because they lost the tiebreaker against the 49ers. The 49ers have balled out. They've been on a three-game winning streak. That loss in Germany uh, really hurt these guys. She could be up a game um, above the 49ers, but that's not what it is. But let's talk about the 49ers and that Cardinals game in Mexico City. The, um, the things, things with the Cardinals are just so turbulent right now. Like you got guys missing. Kyler Murray didn't play on Monday night, but you got relationships that have been fractured. It's just all bad. And Monday night was no exception for that. The Niners get it down 38 to 10. And like I mentioned, they played without Kyler Murray. He's had a hamstring issue the last couple of weeks. 78,000 fans in Mexico City showed up to support the 49ers. I was yeah. a Niners crowd. All day. I didn't hear no cheers for Arizona. Maybe there are a couple in there, but that was the Niners home game. Might have said Arizona on the field. That was the Niners game. And uh, it helped guys like Jimmy. Jimmy G probably had his best performance of the year. 20 and 29, 228, four touchdowns, a QB rating of 131.9. Kittle looks like the tight end that we're used to seeing over the past couple of years. Four receptions for 84 yards and two touchdowns. And then Christian McCaffrey had 106 total yards and Brennan Ayuk, two touchdowns. There's so many playmakers over there. All Jimmy has to do is flick the wrist, get it to his playmakers, and they'll be fine. So uh, the Cardinals are down 14-3. to They tried to make it a game. They go on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, ending with a James Conner touchdown. That made it 14-10, to but after that, it was a wrap. 49ers, 24 unanswered points. Um, Colt McCoy did his best, but he struggled yeah. against the 49er front seven. He ended, ended the game with 24 for 34, 218, zero touchdowns, one interception. Now, the Hawks will have a nice little showdown with these guys on Thursday Night Football, I believe. It's a primetime yep. game. Yep. And I, I, I assume it will still be a primetime game by the time they score up. Oh, no question about it. I mean, it's Amazon that Thursday night, so they're locked in regardless if it, each team lost every game here on out. But 
that game's going to decide the NFC West, in my opinion. You know, the Niners have the Saints, Dolphins, Bucks. The Seahawks have the Raiders, got the Panthers and the Rams. So really important stretch for both teams, definitely, Bum. Right. I'm hoping the Saints, you know, can rise up from the dead again, you know what I'm saying, and help us out a little bit. The Dolphins, that's going to be a tough one, and so are the Bucks. So things will be interesting. And speaking of those Saints, they took down the Rams. You want to talk about turbulence, Bump? L.A., man, <laughs> in La La Land, things were good. Super Bowl champ, Sean McVay is the best thing ever. He's a great offensive mind. They got all the right moves. They don't care about the draft picks, none of that. Mm. Well, 2022 came at you fast. Rams <laughs> continue to spiral. They lost to the Saints 27-20 last week. They're 3-7 and seven on the year. They've lost six of seven games and are in real jeopardy of being the first Super Bowl winner to miss the playoffs the next year since the 2015 Broncos. That was the year when Peyton Manning retired. And the last team who won the Super Bowl to have a losing record the following year was the 2003 Buccaneers. The Rams are trending that way. And I say this all, you know, in just a little bit because I don't care who's playing for them when they play Seahawks. It's going to be a battle because that's just always what it is with the Rams. But they're struggling, man. They're up 14-10 against the Saints. Big third quarter by Andy Dalton getting things done. They score 14 points. Rams couldn't do anything else but kick a couple field goals. They lose the game. Matthew Stafford leaves with a concussion. Cooper Cup's on IR. You know what I'm saying? It's it's bad. Cam Akers had 61 yards of 14 carries, and he wasn't playing. And then today they cut Daryl Henderson, which is kind of surprised to me, given Henderson's been playing the most. So there's a lot of things going on in L.A. right now, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I mean, we, the Seahawks need all they can get. They wouldn't feel bad for us if the Seahawks were struggling and having the same things happen. So it, it's definitely different, man. Once once the target's on your back, it's hard. I think the Thanks. Rams got tons of great football players. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl last year, but things are hard. It is hard to repeat in this league. It's hard to go back and be competitive year in and year out. That's what Pete and John have done. Is so successful out here in Seattle and so special. So we'll see. We'll keep monitoring this, man, but. I'm hoping the Seahawks can get a couple wins and they'll have another huge game against the Rams because they're going to have to handle business in both of those games. But let's spin it back to the Las Vegas Raiders. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. All right, let's look at some of these matchups. The first one we're looking at is the QB, Derek Carr versus the Seahawks defense. Carr's not having a horrible season but you just expected a bit more with the weapons that he has over there so far this year. He's 217 for 348, 2,435 yards, 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. Not bad on paper. He's been sacked 20 times, has a QB rating of 91.6. That is 15th in the NFL. All right, where he struggled is in his completion percentage. Only 62.4% of his passes are being completed. That is good for 25th in the league. Now, when you watch the game against the Broncos, it's clear where he wants to throw the football, and that's number 17. Why wouldn't you want to throw that man the ball? The Raiders are 16th in the NFL when it comes to total offense. We talked about that earlier. They are 8th in the NFL when it comes to passing, 235 yards. This is going to be a can you force Derek Carr to turn the ball over once or twice? In Germany, that's what I asked for. Then we got two turnovers, but we just weren't able to capitalize on, on that situation. Out here is just you got to try to um, to limit his options. Waller's gone. Renfro's gone. You know he's going to toss that thing up to Devontae Adams as many times as he can. So uh, lock him down, bracket him, put pressure on, on the quarterback. That's another thing the Hawks need to get back to, hitting the quarterback. I don't think they had, they had one quarterback hit in Germany. Yeah. Just get 
get to Derek Carr, he'll turn the ball over for you. No question about it. I think you have to. You absolutely have to because they have a decent running game, which we'll get to in a second. But Derek Carr, yeah, I, I think it's disappointing so far. Your stuff coming out of Las Vegas. When Devontae Adams was the biggest deal, that thing that happened. So we'll see what the Seahawks can do there. On our side, Geno Smith coming off a game where he struggled at times. I think it took about a half for the Seahawks offense to kind of really gel. And once they did, you take away the turnover. They moved the ball on every single drive in the second half against those Buccaneers. 23 of 33, 275, two touchdowns of 22 rushing yards. And we said this on the last podcast, recapping the game in, in Germany. If that's his worst game of the season, I'll sign up for that every single day of the week. And you yep. know Geno's going to bounce back strong, and I can't, I can't wait for him to see him compete this weekend. He remains the NFL leader in completion percentage at 72.8%. Seventh in the NFL in passing yards. Sixth in passing touchdowns. Second in QB rating. Fourth in QBR. So he's still among the league's best in almost every category. He continues to have games with multiple passing touchdowns, eight on the year, only had seven in his first nine seasons. So he's just doing what he's doing. He's already got a career high with 17 passing touchdowns on the year, 2,474 yards, 17 touchdowns, just four interceptions. On the other side facing him, we talked about the Raiders' defense, 27th in total defense and 24th against the pass. So there are going to be opportunities for Geno to do his thing. I really want to see him get back to stuff that we've seen earlier, lots of boots. Lots of 13 personnel, all that good stuff. But Gino is still slinging that rock, so I look for him to have a monster game this weekend. Yep, and uh, another matchup, Devontae Adams versus Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. I'm, I'm going to slide in Trey Brown in there, too. We'll see how much of Trey Brown we see. The young man is active. Uh, like we mentioned, Devontae Adams, he was the biggest acquisition during the offseason. Him and Kirk Cousins got receivers paid all across the league, and uh, this guy's getting paid for a reason. He's got 64 receptions. 925 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's fourth in the NFL in receiving yards, second in touchdowns. Quiet, mm -hmm. solid season for this guy. He also leads the league with 112 targets in the last three games. He's been going off. 10 catches, 146, two touchdowns. Nine catches, 126, one touchdown. Seven catches, 141, and two touchdowns. The only bad side is that um, he's only, when you're throwing it to him, he's only completing about 57% of his target. He's got over like a hundred something targets and uh, only catching about 57% of them. So they're trying to feed the man and it's almost predictable. But uh, when you have all those other injuries, you got to feed this dude. He accounts for 32% of Derek Carr's attempts this season. Why? Hunter Renfro is down. Darren Waller's down. All right. Renfro read, the, uh, excuse me, led the Raiders last year in receiving 103 receptions for a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. He's that slot uh, third and short possession type of receiver. And in uh, 2021, Waller had 55 receptions for 665 yards and two touchdowns in 11 games. So he's definitely missing some targets. Now, Matt Collins is the next leading receiver this year behind Devontae Adams. He has 36 receptions for 468 and two touchdowns. This will be another test for Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. They've seen Mike Evans and held him to five receptions, 54 yards. And uh, this is a nice little, little tandem, man. Tariq Willen joined Casey Howard and Earl Thomas as the only player since 2010 to have at least five interceptions in their first 10 career games. Another notch under Tariq Willen's belt. Every other week, we're talking about something he's doing that no one else has done. And look, look at the guys that they face, Bump. DeAndre Hopkins, Debo Samuel, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. So they've seen it. At this point in the year, Tariq, I don't even consider him a rookie. 
at this point. Uh, he, he's a, you know, 10 games in, he's a vet. And you're going up against another one of the best receivers in the league. So it'll be a fun thing. And he's not going to be getting that Sherman treatment because they're throwing the rock at 17. He's going to get 15 yeah. targets. So I think of all the different matchups, this is going to be the most fun for Tariq Woolen because I think he's going to get tested the most. So mm-hmm. if he if he locks up Devontae, if Devontae has, you know, under 90 yards, maybe one or fewer touchdowns, that's going to say something about the guy Tariq and Mike Jackson. Also on that side of the ball, the Raiders have a low-key, pretty good running game, or at least Josh Jacobs having a good season. You know, 183 carries, 930 yards, seven touchdowns, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He's third in the NFL in rush yards and fifth in touchdowns, so he's doing his thing. And the funny, not the funny, the interesting thing about Jacobs, so he's a part of that 2019 draft class. That draft class produced Max Crosby, who's balling out, Hunter Renfrew, who's balled out for him. But they also had three first-round picks. Two of the three did not turn back the results the Raiders were hoping for with Klein Farrell and then Jonathan Abram, who was just released, actually. And here's the thing. Jacob's about to have his third 1,000-yard season, but had his fifth-year option declined, which will be interesting. So he's dangerous, Bump, because he's yeah. running for that paycheck. And that's and that's, and that's a dangerous man in the NFL. Yeah, I don't understand why they're not picking up his fifth year. Um, that makes no sense to me, but I also know that the Raiders are cash poor. Like, even if they wanted to hire a new coach, they couldn't do that. Uh, they've invested a lot of money over the years, and I think they're still paying Gruden. So maybe that has something to do with it. They got to they gotta restructure some stuff over there because uh, approaching this third 1,000-yard season, I don't see why you don't keep that young man. Uh, let's go to Max Crosby and the Seahawks old line. Crosby is having probably his best season, 63 tackles, nine sacks, 16 TFLs, two passes defended in two force fumbles he already has a career high and tackles with 63 and is one sack away from his personal best 10 with seven games to play safe to say he's probably gonna do that gave russell wilson and them boys trouble last week six tackles two sacks three qb hits and um the raiders as a team only have 13 sacks bottom of the league right yep. but crosby has nine of those things so if there's anybody that you need to keep an eye on it's gonna be that guy um Crosby is going to be a guy that you highlight during film, a guy that you game plan for. He's that good. Oh, no question about it. He, he, I remember seeing him on, I think it was, it might've been his rookie year. He was on hard knocks. I think he broke his hand that year, but it got to see that, you know, this guy was going to be special talent and he's been their most consistent pass rusher over his career, the fourth season in Las Vegas. The other guy I thought would be more of a factor this year bump is Chandler Jones. Yeah. Jones has had over 100 sacks in his 11-year career. You know, this year only has .5, half a sack, 24 tackles, one TFL. But maybe I'm just scarred from all the times he sacked Russell Wilson that Chandler Jones is a dude that can have zero sacks and come into a game and have three. So definitely not a guy you want to sleep on there. So we'll see how the Seahawks offensive line protects. But we know the rookie tackles have been killing the game this year, so I expect nothing less from them. And then the last matchup we'll look at bump is Ken Walker, Raiders front seven. Walker coming off his least productive game as a pro, which isn't saying a lot because he hasn't had that many pro games and he's balled out in so many of them. Yeah. And it's really more, he had 17 yards on 10 carries and it was less about him. It wasn't like he came in there and just got shut down. He had 25 carries and 25 yards. That wasn't the case. The Seahawks were down. He didn't get a lot of opportunities against the Buccaneers. You know, he's, it was the first time since becoming a starter that he had less than 18 carries. 
So I think that coincided with his production. The field wasn't great. He's such a fast dude, nimble, making all those cuts. I feel like he was slipping and sliding around in Germany before he could even really get going. So I think that played a role in that. So it'll be interesting, but I think the Seahawks need to get back to running the football against the Raiders for sure because that's such a huge part of what these guys do, control the clock and running the ball. And I think they're a different-looking team when they don't do that. Yeah, man, the run sets up everything. There's some things that are always going to be true about football. If you run that rock efficiently, you control the tempo. Everything else is opened up. So, yes, you got to get back to K-9 doing his thing this year, 587 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, this kid's on his way. I ain't going to call him kid. This young man mm-hmm. is on his way. Now, the, the Raiders on the other side, they're led by um, linebackers Denzel Perryman and Divine Diablo. That's a That's name. That's a name for you. <laughs> I typed that in and said that you should be doing something else. Divine Diablo. Damn. Okay, Divine kid. Diablo. Man. All right. I see Divine. Well, Diablo got 74 tackles, one tackles for loss, one pass offended. Then Perriman has 46 tackles, one sack, one sack, and nine TFLs. I mean, the Hawks should be able to control the box. They control the box. They control the run game. I like their chances. I absolutely like their chances to bounce back and get us to where we want to go, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Bump, Seahawks just got to take care of business and get the struggling Raiders team at home. They have some really good players. We've talked about it. We've gone through. We know they can play football, but I think the Seahawks are a better football team. I think to make the playoffs... And to maybe win the division, you got to take care of teams you're supposed to be. And I think the Raiders are one of those teams. So I think the Seahawks just really need to – it's about them this week. You know, a right. lot of times you, you worry about – they have a ton of weapons and options, like I just said. But I think it's about them. If they do what they're capable of doing, they can win this game. Yep, and they got to stop the run, man. Josh Jacobs cannot go loose. Make them be one-dimensional. Make them be predictable. And saying that, don't let Josh Jacobs go crazy. Don't let Devontae go crazy neither. He can't have a buck 50 and a couple of touchdowns and making us look silly out there. Like you mentioned earlier, you hold him to like around 90 yards, maybe a touchdown or none at all. Then I think um, your chances are good, but they can't all of a sudden become a great run team. And then you can't let Devontae do what he's been doing the last three weeks. No question about it. I think, I think something that will help that is the Seahawks possessing the football. How do you possess football? You run that thing. Ken Walker needs to get established early and often. Good way to do that is mixing some of that 13 personnel that we love so much. So tight ends have been crucial to the Seahawks' success offensively this year. So I want to see more of that. I think that's who the Seahawks are. Do that. Boom. Mix it up. Go over the top with DK and Tyler, and then things should be looking pretty good. Bump. It's been a minute since we've been at home, man. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been like almost a month, so I'm feeling good. I think this is I think this is the week we get it done, Bump. Let's go. Take care of the house. All right, do some laundry, tidy up a little bit. We got some guests coming over that we're going to smack, so let's get ready to go. <laughs> you heard it here from Bump. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you next Monday with a happy edition of this Hawk Talk podcast with a Seahawks victory. Remember, you can catch us anywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Sirius XM, and more. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Choby. This has been the preview edition of Hawk Talk and Seahawks. Take it on the Las Vegas Raiders at Lumen Field at 105 on Sunday. Should be a fun day. We'll be on the radio starting at 10 a.m. Looking forward to a Seahawks victory. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.